From the MGMA in-home studios, welcome to the Insights Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams. As therapists, we are not only trying to manage our own emotions around what is happening, but we're holding the emotions of all of our clients right now that we care for a lot. That's Allison McCarty on the unique perspective of behavioral health professionals processing the fallout from COVID-19. Our special series continues this week with how a large practice and its behavioral health team are handling the crisis. But first, a word from our sponsor. Is physician profitability a problem in your hospital-owned practice? Then let NThrive Analytics help drill into your physician data and get a clearer picture. At one of the nation's largest multi-institutional healthcare delivery systems, with 92 hospitals and 107 continuing care locations, NThrive Analytics aggregated data from 62 disparate billing systems into one, providing unprecedented visibility to monitor performance and implement improvement plans. Bottom line, the organization realized a 15% reduction in loss per physician, 30% improvement in productivity, and 20% improvement in schedule density. Visit nthrive.com to learn how your organization can leverage analytics and achieve similar results. Behavioral health services have been a lifeline for many since the start of the COVID-19 crisis. Practices have had to implement telehealth platforms almost overnight in order to continue providing these services. Meanwhile, providers are being tasked with caring for the mental health of their patients in the wake of a global pandemic, while also trying to manage their own. Joining us this week are three behavioral health professionals, Shane Lunsford, Valerie Crawl, and Allison McCarty who are currently facing these very challenges at the Mountain Area Health Education Center. Shane is the Administrative Director of Psychiatry. Valerie is a licensed clinical mental health counselor and a behavioral health director. And Allison is a licensed clinical social worker who also runs a collaborative care program. Shane, Valerie, Allison, thanks so much for joining us today. You're welcome, glad to be here. Shane, let's start with you, and let's just get an idea of what the scope of the practice is. Sure. So, you know, here at Mayhek, which is Mountain Area Health Education Center in Asheville, North Carolina, um, we are a multi-specialty large practice uh, that combines family medicine, obstetrics, and psychiatry uh, into one large campus to serve our Western North Carolina 18-county uh, community. What's the so, you know, the number of providers, uh, patients you see coming through there, what are some numbers there as well? Sure. So, you know, within our uh, facility, we have approximately about 160 providers. Uh, that includes our residents as well as our faculty physicians uh, as in, in their behavioral health folks. Uh, we're currently seeing about 17,000 unique individuals every year. Uh, and so we uh, get a little bit over 100,000 visits total out of that. Now, how have those visits changed in light of the crisis we're dealing with right now? Because this is a very stressful situation. It's a confusing situation for people. We're trying to sort it out, figure it out. The news is changing day to day. So give us an idea of uh, people's need for some, uh, some help uh, to talk to people and, and get some ideas of how to calm down and uh, 
get a better sense of what's going on right now. So as you can imagine, you know, we're tracking things on a daily basis and we're changing our operations almost about as quickly, uh, you know, on a daily basis. You know, one of the biggest changes that we've seen in this crisis is that it's pushed uh, forward telemedicine tremendously, uh, not only at our level, but on the state and the national level. Um, and fortunately, our patients have been really well doing well with engaging in that service, uh, especially within behavioral health, which is where we live. Yeah. Shane, uh, CMS has just put through some policy changes. I want to know how that's affected your practice. Um, what have you implemented and how is that working with your patients? So just as you said, CMS has implemented several policy changes, everything from relaxing HIPAA regulations uh, with the OCR to allowing providers to now bill for telephone calls, uh, allowing providers that traditionally haven't been able to bill for telehealth to bill for telehealth, uh, which from the behavioral health side hasn't made a tremendous amount of change except for the telephone calls. Um, you know, because we were already able to bill for a lot of the services, very fortunately, um, you know, but for our folks that are working in family medicine uh, and obstetrics, you know, this has been a real game changer for them uh, as, you know, now we're able to reach patients through telemedicine that we were never able to reach um, due to sustainability issues. Um, so the technology has always been there, but the, the way to pay for it or, or bill for it has not been in place. Um, so now that that's, you know, that's changed. We're hoping and we're seeing some slight changes that we're hoping to be permanent um, out of that. Um, so, you know, we're also seeing changes on the state level uh, with our Medicaid folks uh, here within the state of North Carolina, as well as hearing about things that are going on across the country from that perspective, uh, allowing for increased access to these services. Okay. want to uh, talk to Valerie now. Um, you're working with patients. Um, how has that changed? Uh, how are things working with you and, and dealing with those patients? Well, it's um, been quite a transition. Uh, we've started working from home as providers for the past two weeks. So um, we're adjusting to the telehealth setup as well as the patients um, and trying to roll out all that technology to them. And then the week prior to that, we were still in the office and um, a lot of patients were canceling or not showing up due to, you know, fear of being in a clinic. So we're, we're kind of in the midst of the transition and kind of still identifying what the ongoing trends are going to be. Um, now that our patients know, most of them are learning that we have the capacity for telehealth. So a lot of folks that were previous patients who hadn't been seen in a while are calling in and re requesting to reestablish um, to address some of these new stressors that they're dealing with. Right. And I wanted to ask you then, so from your perspective, when you're working with a patient, what does telehealth mean? Uh, what platform app can they use where it's still compliant, uh, HIPAA compliant there? Right. Well, um, in the past week, we've had our, our formal proper system rolled out, which Shane can speak to more. Um, he was crucial in getting that all set up. So that's the system that has all the functionality um, of, you know, for scheduling and video and synchronous um, capacity. The week prior, 
um, since that system wasn't quite ready yet, uh, the behavioral health folks in the family medicine department kind of did whatever they could just to reach people. We used a temporary video platform and um, did some phone calls if the patient did not want video or didn't have the capacity or internet connection. So our initial focus was just to reach whoever needed to be seen. And as we're getting the more formal platforms rolling, kind of working out the kinks to hopefully use the, the one that has all of the, the best features with as many patients as possible. Mm-hmm. Allison, what about you as well? You're seeing patients. How is that transition going for you? And what has that been like? Yeah, it's going well. So I have a couple roles here at Mayhec. Um, I'm a licensed clinical social worker, and I spend part of my time doing therapy with OB patients, so women who are pregnant or recently postpartum. And then I spend a part of my time running a collaborative care program, which uh, provides some care management as well as therapy and access to psychiatric consultations. Um, And it has been a pretty easy transition so far. In fact, I would say that um, offering more telehealth has increased access for patients. Um, so a lot, I'm hearing from a lot of patients that this is convenient, um, that being able to access therapy from their homes is a good thing. Um, and so really, it, it's been a really wonderful thing to be able to offer. You know, there have been some kinks with the technology and kind of figuring out in terms of being a provider, like the ethics around telehealth and just sort of orienting ourselves to this new way of being with our clients. But overall, um, it has been a good transition. What's been like, what was the percentage of telehealth visits you had previously versus now? I mean, have you seen a, a huge increase or what's what's happened there for you? Yeah, so for me personally in the program that I worked with, I was providing um, very minimal, but I was providing some telephone sessions to patients, but it was predominantly 90% in-person appointments. And now we I have shifted to 100% telehealth. I, I would say, I don't know, Valerie, if this is your experience, but probably 80% of my patients are able and willing to access the video platform. And there's probably a 20% that don't have access to, to wireless or for whatever reason prefer to do a phone session. Okay. Now, Allison had already talked about how her visits have changed. What about you, Valerie? Have you seen that same change? Like what percentage of patients were you seeing in person versus uh, you know, on some kind of synchronous or telehealth type situation then versus now? Right. Um, well, prior to COVID, we were 100% office-based in the Family Health Center. So we were using your standard in-person billing codes, and um, we were also available in-person for the medical providers to do brief consults but our scheduled appointments were all office-based. So we went from 100% office to 100% uh, either video and then sometimes uh, telephone. And most people are do feel comfortable and want to do the video uh, full experience. There's a couple that have really poor internet connection And then we're actually finding a few patients that don't feel comfortable with it. I think a couple have actually shared that 
you know, they might have a, like a hoarding issue and they feel uncomfortable having being broadcast, you know, visually. But um, we're trying to urge folks to do the video platform so you don't lose the, you know, face-to-face -face contact and nonverbal cues and all of those things, but also respecting personal choice when someone feels strongly about that. Yeah, and I wanted to follow up on that then. So in that platform, is that a platform that you guys, it's it's your platform or is it one that you, it's a third party platform? How are you accessing that? So yeah, it is a third party platform. Uh, we went through a selection process. Fortunately, we had been uh, in that process for about six months prior to all of this happening. So we were able to very easily pull the trigger um, and work with that partner to uh, get that platform up and running. Um, you know, just as Valerie had mentioned, you know, right now with the relaxation of the HIPAA regulations with OCR, um, you know, folks are able to utilize a multitude of things, everything from Apple FaceTime to, you know, Google Hangouts to platforms such as Mend, which is what we're using, uh, or other formal platforms. So, yeah. And I wanted to go back because I think it's important to talk about uh, it's important to talk about what we're dealing with right now, the stress of healthcare workers on the front line, the, the stress of patients and consumers out there. Um, Y'all have a, a, a personal invested interest in that because you work with patients all the time with, with stress and other mental health issues. So how has that been exacerbated or how has that changed during this COVID-19 crisis? Uh, it, Valerie, if you want to take that first and Allison, if you want to weigh in as well. Well, it's taken lots of different forms. Um, there's definitely been people who have been more stressed and anxious with all the uncertainty, but I've been really impressed with how so many people have risen to the occasion and, you know, coworkers, but patients have really been creatively coping and some folks that you might have maybe thought would be struggling are actually pulling through and kind of getting creative and a lot of folks are focusing on gratitude um, and I think you know because there's just daily recommendations that change every day people are focusing on those things and actually so far doing pretty well there's definitely been a few crisis scenarios um, spoke with a woman who was in a, a shelter and feeling kind of trapped there and um, feeling some high urges to go back to some old behaviors, but still managing and, you know, ended up figuring it out and people are really pulling together and for the most part. Yeah. Allison, what about your experiences there as well? Yeah, so similar um, to all the things Valerie mentioned, um, you know, as a trauma-informed therapist, I am really viewing COVID and this pandemic as a trauma, collective trauma that we're all experiencing. Um, that, you know, this disease is a threat, but it's also an invisible threat. Um, and so I am working primarily with my patients just to, on some nervous system regulation techniques, because for a lot of people, our 
myself included and providers and our patients, we're swinging from different states of dysregulation. So I'm hearing from a lot of people that they'll have a day where it feels okay. Like it feels like we're managing this okay, we're doing our best. And then the next day we wake up and maybe we're in a heightened state of anxiety. Um, and then maybe the next day we're sort of checked out and a little disassociated. Um, you know, I've been reading a lot that, you know, we have never been through a pandemic before. And so our nervous systems don't really know what to make of what's happening. And so we're trying our best to cope. Um, and that looks different each day for all of us. And so um, I'm noticing that a lot, especially with the pregnant patients that I'm working with, that a lot of people who have not experienced anxiety before are experiencing anxiety for the first time. Um, so I'm doing a lot of just education with people and just normalizing that this is all new for all of us. And then just really trying to increase people's coping around a lot of uncertainties that we're facing. Yeah, it, it's fascinating that you, you talk about a good day and a bad day or a good moment and a bad moment. Our colleagues, we're all working remotely as well. And we're all kind of pulling for each other because we will talk about that, be very open about it. We'll experience some things where we have a good day and then somebody will pick us up and then a colleague will have a bad day and then you, you go pick them up. So it's, it's really interesting. Is this, where does this fit into stress or, uh, uh, you know, traumatic situations as you were talking about? How do we, how do we, what box do we put this in? Because you said we've not really experienced anything like this before. Yeah, again, I'm sort of viewing this as, as trauma, um, as something that's happening quickly and that feels outside of, outside of our control, which is often what trauma is, something that happens too fast and too soon. Um, and so I really think that there are some, you know, you talked about coworkers coming together and just talking about what the good days look like and what the bad days look like. And I think Social connection is really important. That is really calming to our nervous systems. And so that looks different for us right now, but really just talking to patients and coworkers and family members about how do we stay in contact and what type of contact feels good right now. Um, and if you have the ability to see someone's face through a screen, that that can be a really regulating thing. Um, and I think, you know, Val and I talked yesterday that there's something about this that does feel really unifying, that sort of we are all in this together and that for some people that that is a resource. Um, another thing that I've found that has been actually helpful about telehealth appointments and doing appointments with people in their homes is that often we have a lot of resources within our homes, not, not for everyone. I recognize that everyone's home is not a safe place right now, but for the people for whom it is safe, um, that in some ways it's less anxiety producing to have a therapy session in your home than it is to come into an office. And that I'm finding that, you know, people have resources all around them when you're doing telehealth appointments. So I did an appointment yesterday where a woman was having some anxiety and she did some grounding with her dog, like her dog was right next to her. Um, or maybe you're in the comfort of like your own comfortable chair. Um, so I think that there are some good kind of resourcing that you can do with people at home and just trying to kind of gravitate towards what is working right now. How have the patients responded to that? How have because this seems like a 100% a shift in the case of Valerie. So have they been 
adoptive, you know, to this new, this new normal? Uh, and have there been any technological issues in trying to get them up to speed on how to just, because that can cause some, we all know technology can cause a little bit of stress when you uh, try a new application. So how has that uh, adoption gone? I can answer that really quickly and then let Valerie follow up. I'm finding for the most part that patients are really appreciative to have this technology that most people would much prefer to stay in their homes right now. And so I think for a lot of people, there's a relief that we're able to offer this service in a different way. Um, and for the most part, um, MEND, the platform that we're using, seems to be very user-friendly. Our patients are picking up on things really quickly. Um, one of the things that I've found to be really important, though, especially for um, your first session, your, your first telehealth um, appointment, just really orienting patients to um, maybe what might be different. So I'm trying to explain to people, if we get disconnected, because that's a possibility, what is the process around getting connected again so that we're not both like thinking that the other person is going to call back. And so having a plan with your patient for what happens if you get disconnected. And for me, that's been, I will attempt to connect with you. And if I'm not able to connect in the next five minutes, then I'll call you um, so that patients know kind of what will happen if we do get disconnected. And just keeping that in mind for a therapy session that at any moment, there could be a break in the system and you could lose contact with the patient. And so I'm finding that Therapy is looking a little bit different. It's a little more solution focused. Now doesn't really seem to be the time to be like processing trauma or talking about really big things. And, and if we do start to go there, just reminding patients and making sure that they're going to be in a safe place should the, the video get interrupted. Valerie, did you have anything you wanted to weigh in on that? Um, I think the main thing is similar to what Allison said. The majority of patients are just extremely grateful that the option is available and they're overall very understanding of any technical difficulties. And, you know, um, actually the first day we used MEND, we, we learned on Friday afternoon that it was rolling out on Monday morning. So we all tried to learn it over the weekend um, and pretty much just were honest with patients about that. Like, I'm figuring this out right now, the same as you. And um, it, it's kind of been different every day. The, some days have been flawless and very smooth and easy to connect. And then other days there's been lots of dropped connections and attempts to reconnect and then going back to trying to connect by, via phone, but using some sort of system that, you know, doesn't broadcast your home phone number. And then that system might not work, and then you go back to another system. So those days are really frustrating, but we're hoping that, you know, we'll figure those kinks out as we go. And I think the fact that everyone in the world is working from home right now is taking a little toll on the internet um, bandwidth. And, um, you know, we'll just work it out as we go along. Yeah, Shane, hearing all of that, um, what is the business model then? What are what's going through your mind? I know that you're working through the day to day, but um, this is really changing the business model for practices, particularly your type of practice. So, talk about that a little bit. Where where where's your mind right there as far as that's concerned? 
Yeah, so our biggest changes right now, and you know, kind of the, what we're thinking from an operation standpoint is, you know, um, what a lot of practices across the country are dealing with right now is trying to stay on top of all the changes. Um, you know, there's the changes seem to come out almost daily. Uh, you know, so we very fortunately we're a large enough practice that we have um, several team members that are able to try and keep up with all of those. Um, but as a practice administrator myself. You know, I try to stay on top of all those to be a great resource for my team. You know, we have to be able to feed that information back within the organization into our providers, uh, as well as our frontline staff. So that way they understand what we can make changes from a scheduling standpoint. Um, you know, what pairs, you know, so if a patient has Blue Cross Blue Shield versus Medicaid, you know, are there different restrictions for those? Um, and so that's one of the things that you always have to be on the lookout as a practice administrator. Um, very fortunately, you know, um, CMS, Medicaid, and, and Blue Cross Blue Shield seem to be roughly on the same page. Uh, so we're able to have a, some consistency there. Uh, but we are experiencing some issues, um, you know, even, uh, you know, some of the pairs are looking at the same service, take telephone, for example, and saying, you know, if you're going to bill us for this, it's this code. If you're going to bill, you know, Blue Cross Blue Shield, it's this code. Um, you know, so, you know, we're, we're fortunate, uh, like I said, to have those resources to be able to keep up with that. And one of the things that we're doing here at Mayhack is being able to help others in the region uh, understand those codes and be able to apply them appropriately so that way they can stay in business. Yeah, and Valerie mentioned something very interesting here that uh, this was implemented over a weekend, this new platform to connect with patients. Our listeners are having those same struggles. They're practice administrators and healthcare professionals across the country. Walk us through that. What have been some of the victories there in getting that put in place? And then what have been some of the hiccups so they can kind of learn from, from your trials and how you've gotten through it? So, yeah, no, that's, that's a, a, a great, interesting story because, you know, we, um, like I said, we've been doing some planning up until this to be able to implement telemedicine uh, on a larger scale here at Mayhack, and it was more geared towards uh, the, you know, the end of this calendar year as opposed to right now. So, um, you know, with the, you know, with COVID coming into play, we um, very rapidly, uh, you know, went through the implementation process of, uh, you know, researching the platform further, uh, finalizing any demos that we had, um, checking in with some of the other folks that are utilizing the system, because ideally we're looking for something that we can utilize after COVID uh, and not just during COVID. Uh, so implementation-wise, we were uh, able to turn the platform on very quickly, able to start piloting it within the psychiatry program, uh, and then you know, within a couple of days, we were able to uh, do things such as getting branding in place, getting um, some of our forms in place, starting to develop the provider training in collaboration with the company that we chose, uh, and then being able to slowly start to roll that out to uh, the providers. And I say slowly, but, you know, it really was just like Valerie said, it's kind of like, you know, today's Friday and, you know, we're starting this on Monday. Um, so, you know, it's been a it's been a trial and error thing for us. And, you know, one of the things that we've always pushed, you know, we've pushed with our providers and the providers have been great at pushing it out to the patients is that it really is trial and error at this point. You know, 
just hang in there, work with us. It is getting better. And, you know, one of the things that we're seeing from the data tracking is that, um, you know, the providers that are high utilizers in the platform are doing really good with it. Um, you know, and so now our focus is shifting from just the general education to um, creating super users and being able to help those providers that are struggling a little bit or not having as well uptake in the system. Right. Was there, because everybody's working remotely now, did any of your providers or anyone else need additional equipment? How did y'all handle that um, as far as being, if you weren't working from home already, how did you get this set up now to be working from home? Um, you know, fortunately for a lot of our providers, you know, we, you know, within our organization, we issue laptops um, to every, you know, to all of our provider staff. Uh, so they, they had that resource in place. You know, some of them uh, had to start thinking about where we can I do this from in my home or, you know, what does that look like? How do I keep the kids at bay or the dog from barking or, um, you know, do I have internet or do I have fast enough internet? Uh, you know, fortunately from the psychiatry side, we started prepping them uh, when we kind of saw the writing on the wall and saying that, you know, this is coming, you know, just be prepared for it and, you know, start thinking about where in your house can you sit and have a conversation with a patient that doesn't have something on the background that's going to be distracting or going to let the patient know a little bit more about you than what you care to let them know? <laughs> right. Now, I know this is early days, but you guys have already made a successful transition to telehealth in this extreme situation. But what is your outlook on the future and how will this change your business model after COVID? I know it's difficult to get that crystal ball out, but you're proving that it can be done. Yeah. So, you know, with us, especially with the psychiatry and behavioral health, you know, the goal is to be able to not only continue it, but to continue to grow the service. Uh, you know, fortunately, you know, many states across the country have telehealth parity uh, as well as behavioral health parity. So we are, you know, excited to be able to try and reach patients where they are. Um, you know, Western North Carolina is a very rural area, as we, you know, as with many portions of the country. And so this gives access to patients that may not have had mental health access uh, and keeps them from having to travel sometimes for hours uh, to reach a mental health provider. So, you know, we're excited to grow the service and be able to reach more patients than what we've ever been able to. How have you gotten the message out to your patients? How to current patients and potentially new patients to know that you're set up so as they're going through this stressful time, they can reach out to your clinic, your practice, and receive some help there? So, you know, within our EHR, we have uh, a patient portal. We've been sending portal messages to our uh, already established patients, uh, as well as we have a text messaging reminder system. So we've been utilizing that as well to be able to send messages to our current patients, let them know that we're, that we're still here for them. Uh, and we can reach uh, you with telehealth now, as opposed to you having to come into the office. Uh, as far as new patients go, we are uh, doing some strategic marketing with uh, both television and radio advertising uh, to help reach new patients uh, that may be struggling uh, and trying to find a provider. We've been talking about patients, but I, I want to turn it to staff. Um, what have you made available to your healthcare staff there? Because I know this is a, a very stressful time um, and everyone needs you know, some help or at least knowing that there is something there for them. So initially we leaned hard on our EAN. 
um, our you know employee assistance network that's there, uh, as well as we our our HR team has been really great in gathering community resources uh, for. Uh, not only our patients, but for our staff, uh, is you know many households, um, you know especially if they have children, they're you know they're both parents are working or both uh, people in the household have to work to be able to make ends meet. Uh, and you know as you know, you know there's roughly like 6.8 million uh, you know unemployment claims as of this morning. Uh, so you know most households are experiencing some type of unemployment at this point. So um, you know, we're trying to make sure that our employees know the resources that are available to them, um, even if they aren't directly being affected by uh, by this situation. Um, you know, they have places that they can reach out to. So. Okay, I want to turn uh, back to Valerie right now and just talk to you about working with patients. Um, do you have a a story you can you're able to share with us that? Um, kind of speaks to what is going on right now and the kind of communication you're having with your patients? Um, well, there's, it's, there's been a lot of variety, kind of never really know what to expect. I think um, when I start one of those calls, um, it varies between, you know, um, patient the other day um, we were scheduled and she answered, but she said she had been on too many Zoom meetings all day long and was not up for another screen-based meeting because all of her kids had, you know, Zoom classrooms all day long. And um, and then there's other folks who are so thrilled to be able to have telehealth. Uh, one that comes to mind is, um, you know, a patient I've worked with for quite some time who relies on a wheelchair. And it, it, it literally requires um, at least a half a day or more for him to actually get ready, ride, uh, you know, a certain transportation service, get to the clinic in advance, have his appointment, wait a couple hours again for the transportation service, go home. And now, you know, we go to him on the dot of when his appointment's supposed to start. And he was just ecstatic and hoping that it doesn't go back to the old way. <laughs> so, and then other patients have been just very resourceful, uh, kind of amazing. Uh, had a session with a, a five-year-old and his parents and she was on her way to work and trying to drop him off at a babysitter and still managed to pull over in the driveway and try to have our tele-session. So it's like people are just really getting creative and doing all kinds of really positive things. Yeah. Allison, do you have a story or two you could share with us? Yeah, well, just kind of piggybacking on what Valerie was saying, just like this collective resilience that I'm seeing in, in our clients, um, a lot of whom have been through difficult things before and so are kind of relying on skills that they have to be able to deal with, you know, our new normal. Um, again, working a lot with pregnant women, and so I'm seeing a lot of moms who have young children at home and are really just trying to manage um, the stress of their pregnancy during uncertain times and then having to homeschool their children. Um, so a lot of work just around um, trying to take 
some of uh, the pressure off of being a perfect parent or a perfect employee. I think a lot of people right now are feeling, myself included, like I'm not parenting as well as I could be and I'm also not showing up for work in the ways that I used to and just supporting people around managing expectations. Um, a lot of the pregnant women that I'm working with right now are really grieving that their pregnancy isn't what they thought it was going to look like. You know, baby showers have been canceled. And when baby comes home, there is not a community physically welcoming them home. Um, and that those things are really hard. Um, and so just normalizing for everyone that we're all grieving um, sort of the way that the world was a month ago and just working with people to kind of manage those expectations and try to lean into what is working. Yeah. Um, you guys are all focused on caring for others and I want to get an idea from each of you, how you're caring for yourselves. Uh, Allison, let's start with you. What, what are you doing to just, keep things level, keep th things balanced right now? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is just um, adjusting expectations about what work looks like right now. So before this pandemic hit, I felt like I was super efficient. I finished all my work at work and then I didn't bring it home. And now it feels like um, work, it doesn't feel like it is, work is at home. And so learning how to manage that and set boundaries. And so for me, that looks like taking small breaks throughout the day to ground myself. And so that might be like a small connection with my toddler who's running around, like getting some good hugs and kisses from him, knowing that um, I may have to do my notes at the end of the day um, because I'm interacting with my family more during the day in between sessions and that that's okay. Um, also really trying to help myself um, recognize when I'm at work and when I'm not at work. And so Valerie and I talked yesterday, like changing out of my work clothes when work is over feels like a good signal that work is done. I have been like lighting a candle at the end of the day and taking a family walk just to signify like work is over. I can transition into home life, even though I'm not changing physical environments. That has felt really important. Um, yeah, just re being really gentle with myself, like reminding myself that I don't have to be perfect right now, that everyone has a learning curve that they're adjusting to. Um, spending lots of time outside has been really grounding for me. Um, just kind of remembering that, you know, the, the world is still turning and there are still birds chirping outside. Um, Valerie mentioned uh, earlier, just like a gratitude practice that also has been really helpful for me. It's really easy for my brain to kind of go towards everything that is not going right. And so really trying to train those neuro pathways to see what is going well. So just kind of a daily inventory at the end of the day of what I'm grateful for and what's going well. Um, those are the things that, that have been helpful. And then again, just being gentle with myself that this is new and it's new for everyone and we're in uncharted waters um, and just giving myself permission. You know, I feel um, very lucky to not 
be physically on the front lines, that I, I feel a safety in being able to work from home. So I have a lot of gratitude for that. And as therapists, we are not only trying to manage our own emotions around what is happening, but we're holding the emotions of all of our clients right now that we care for a lot. And so just recognizing that as a therapist, that that, that, is, a, that is a lot to deal with, of caring for ourselves and, and for our clients. And so just giving myself um, permission to um, not be okay sometimes. Yeah. Valerie, what about you? What have you been doing? Um, some similar things to Allison, um, but also I'm just trying to really keep a, a routine and trying to keep my, my hours as similar to what they were um, when I was going into the office and trying to um, kind of get in the same mindset as I would if I was going in and um, trying to, yeah, have some boundaries about I try to keep most work functions contained into like one room if possible. I know everyone doesn't have that luxury. I know some folks are kind of working out of a closet um, literally because they have lots of kids at home. And, um, you know, luckily I have a room that I could use and I try to just keep everything work related in there and try to be intentional about taking some breaks. I think, just ergonomics has been a little bit of a challenge. The first day we all started doing like back to back to back to back screen sessions. Um, several of us had some headaches and eye strain and, and then trying to figure out how to, you know, get the chair and the desk at the right height and with whatever you have to work with at home is there's definitely some, some strains on the body, which you wouldn't have necessarily thought of. So continuing to work those out. And I think, Staying in touch with each other is helpful. It's a fine line too, like trying to figure out how much communication is helpful versus too much. <laughs> and um, at first, you know, we had some thoughts about, oh, we'll check in and we'll do a little screen check-in. And you're like, no, no more screens. <laughs> I'll call you if there's something wrong. Exactly. Shane, what about yourself? What have you found that's been helpful for you as you've, transitioned and and worked in this new normal for right now yeah so for me you know a lot of it is just being able to kind of get up and walk away from the desk uh, when i get the chance you know um as you can imagine i'm, I'm pretty much on zoom meetings all day long um so uh you know it's always fun and exciting to you know to kind of be here with the kids working from home um while at the same time a little challenging um yeah i think they they know exactly whenever i'm on camera when i'm getting ready to talk because that's when they want to talk to me so um but you know it's been it's been nice being here and you know i too just kind of like valerie you're just trying to set parameters around when i'm at work you know even if it's at home when i'm at work i'm at work when i'm at home i'm at home um you know and, and taking time away from the computer to to do normal home things uh, and not letting work just kind of engulf me. Yeah, that does seem to be a consistent theme of trying to find balance, trying to find boundaries between work and home because they're now the same place. So how do we how do we deal with that? I want to turn to you, Allison, and if you could just provide us with some tools, then what can we do to cope with that and or if there are any resources as well that you could point our listeners to 
think a couple of things that have been really helpful for me. Well, one is that when I start a telehealth session with a client, I'm letting them know that I'm in my home and that I'm also reassuring them that I'm taking all the measures that I can to protect their confidentiality. And so for me, that looks like I have found that um, headphones are really helpful so that no one in my home can hear what's happening on the other side of the screen. Um, also a white noise machine. I somehow had the thought to grab a white noise machine from my office before this all started. So I have that. But if you don't have one, I've heard from people that there's apps on your phone that are working pretty well. Um, and then on the same end, I have found for patients, if they're wanting to protect kind of their um, confidentiality or make sure that they're in a private location, um, talking with them about where are you going to be for this appointment? And can you move to a part of your house where no one can hear our conversation? Or do you have a set of headphones that you can plug in, um, that that's been really helpful. Um, yeah, and then just in terms of boundaries, I think really just trying my best again to signal that work is done and now I'm back into home life. And so, yeah, those practices that I talked about before. That's great. So final thought from you then, Shane, uh, what, what's going through your mind and your your strategy right now as you're thinking about COVID-19 and mental health, what can you share with our audience as far as that's concerned? So, you know, the big things that are going through my mind right now are, you know, that just as others on the, uh, on the podcast today have alluded to, you know, this is, you know, not only a crisis from, you know, the pandemic standpoint with COVID, but, you know, it's also a mental health crisis. You know, we're seeing unprecedented numbers of folks that are now, you know, experiencing mental health issues. Um, you know, hopefully most of them will be temporary, you know, but they're experiencing issues, these issues. Um, you know, so how do we respond to that? You know, how do we increase our capacity uh, to be able to, you know, to meet the needs in our community and help keep our community safe? Uh, you know, so, you know, here at Mayhec, we are trying to think outside the box, find new ways to engage folks, um, whether it be through virtual group sessions uh, or through chat or uh, other ways of, you know, just keeping folks out of the emergency room. Um, you know, we understand that a lot of folks, you know, working at home may be a great opportunity, um, but the same is, is that, you know, there's the flip side of the coin and, you know, there's a lot of folks that are now stuck at home with their abuser. Um, or they're stuck at home in, you know, uh, you know, a situation where, you know, a child may not have food or may not have other resources that they would have had, if you will, would they be in school. Uh, so working with the school system, working with other community partners to be able to help engage folks um, and keep folks healthy and thriving through this situation. That's fantastic. Well, thank you for sharing that. And thank you all for joining us today. You're welcome. Thank you thank very you. much. That's going to do it for this episode of Insights. Thanks to Nthrive for sponsoring this week's show. Also, thanks to our guests, Shane Lunsford, Valerie Crawl, and Allison McCarty. Keep an eye out for more in this series as we talk with other healthcare professionals guiding their practices through these difficult times. To keep up with the latest, be sure to visit mgma.com slash COVID. You can also connect with fellow members and healthcare peers at community.mgma.com. MGMA Insights presented by Declan McGee, Rob Ketchum, and I'm Daniel Williams. Stay safe and thanks for listening.
Hi, this is Declan McGee, one of the producers for the MGMA Insights Podcast. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership. Thanks.